0: Welcome to the We're Better Together podcast. I'm Ian Stevenson.
1: And I'm Caitlin Garcia. On this show, we talk to real people, have honest conversations, and hear profound stories where unity is emerging. As you listen, our desire is to equip and encourage you to catalyze unity in your community, church, business, team, family, or marriage.
0: We are so glad to be on this journey with you as we discover how we can work better together. Let's jump into our content.
1: Hey, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining our podcast. We're better together. We have some really incredible guests today, Fallon and Justin Unger, who lead Likewise Worship together and are also an amazing married couple that have a family of six, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And they are amazing. They're going to come and share a little bit about their nonprofit and then also about um, just a few practical principles on marriage and family. So why don't you guys share a little bit more about yourselves?
2: Yeah, so we are a family of six. We have four amazing kids. Uh, They're all teenagers, which is awesome uh, and crazy at the same time. But Fallon and I have been married now for 20 years and uh, we met. Uh, uh, at a Christian music competition when we were teenagers up in Estes Park, Colorado. And we were in a Uh, In this contest. And since both of our last names were at the end of the alphabet, we had to wait in a two hour long line together at the end of the line uh, for our audition. And we got to know each other. And for me, it was love at first sight. I don't know if it was for her, but. um, (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, But yeah, so that's what started a really beautiful um, story and journey. And yeah, there's so much that goes into it. But that's a little bit of our backstory. I'm from Phoenix and Fallon's from Dallas, Texas. So you might hear a y'all here and there. Yeah,
3: for sure. I like yeah. to say y'all.
1: That's so cool. Would you guys be able to tell us a little bit more about Likewise and the nonprofit that you guys lead together?
3: Sure.
2: Yeah. yeah why you don't you start? start.
3: Yeah. Um, so the backstory, I guess I would say about Likewise is it grew out of just us realizing that when we were in ministry again in our early twenties, like we had no idea what to expect, and so we're helping people um, understand what it what it looks like to be in ministry as worship leaders because we didn't have that. So we always say, providing for others what we wish we would have had. We didn't have anybody saying, "How is your marriage? And are you guys having a date night? Are you taking time away from your phone? Are you you know having?" Quality time together, we just didn't have that. It was just the opposite of keep going, keep doing um, everything at the church for the building the kingdom, but not first. How is your family? How is your marriage? So that's kind of the backstory of that. Um, yeah, just us burning out and me being done. I told him if you could just get a job at Starbucks, once he'd been in ministry, I think it'd been seven years, I was done. Not with our marriage. Thankfully, God protected that. But I was like, go get a job at Starbucks. People won't bother you. You know, you come home and you can be home. So that was kind of yeah. where we ended. But um, thankfully, God brought us to a healthy church because Justin's like, no, we need to stay in the church. Like, God God has us called to the church, and he did and still does. But um, it was a healthy church. So we, we've we seen both sides of it. So we're able to help people in ministry Um, and worship ministry with that. So that's kind of what started it. Yeah, and a lot of it stems, too, from two different
2: cultures of leadership. There's the performance-driven culture, and then there's the shepherding leadership culture. And because of our experience in both of those worlds, it really helped us to contrast how to pour into leaders today because there's such a high drive for performance in the church. Um, but since I came from that performance world of entertaining people and getting affirmation on and self-promotion and then thrust into shepherding people in the church as a pastor, having that dynamic really helped create that balance to where we could then put together a process of how do we pour into leaders that haven't been prepared in this way? How do we develop their hearts to understand their their full and true calling to the people of God, but first their homes. Because if mm-hmm. there's no unity in the home, yeah. there's okay. there's no way it's gonna happen in, in on the platform or on the on the church stage or even in the church community, because then you're you're living a double life. And we're trying to get that um, out, of, out of a lot of these church leaders is this double life that they feel forced to live. Mm-hmm. So.
0: so just to kind of clarify, you're working in six cities around the country. Yes. You're pulling worship leaders together on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. and you're building into them so they can connect— they can have community with each other and they can grow in their competency. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's your heart. Like yes. getting these words. So you're getting worship leaders from all different churches together yeah. Yeah. and you're creating this environment. And in that environment with these worship leaders, from all from the same city, the same geographical kind of area, what are you seeing there about unity? Like, I noticed, because I've been to one of your gatherings, and I noticed on your T-shirts, you have John 17, 17, yeah. 23, about you about know, Jesus' prayer for unity. And yeah. so you've got these leaders from all different churches now coming together. So what are you seeing in those gatherings? And what excites you about maybe some unity that you're seeing emerge from that?
2: Yeah, and it, I think even with that passage, it starts with, if God's passionate about unity, then we want to be
0: which we know he
2: is because it, Jesus himself prayed that prayer that they may be one as Christ and the father are one. And he's talking to the people of God. And that's the part to me that is so important. If you keep reading through that passage, it says, so that the world may believe that you sent me father. So if the world, is it going to see this unity that God desires? He wants to use the church to be that example of that true biblical unity. And uh, we live in a world where the church, especially the church in America, is so divided Mm -hmm. um, by style preference, by consumerism, by uh, doctrine and all this stuff. The enemy has waged a war against the church. And if if he can pin us against each other with some of our non-essentials, then it's going to be less appealing for the lost to even want to take part in the gospel. And so we believe, and I will be passionate about this until the day I die, but we believe the worship pastor, the worship leader and his family are at the front lines of this battle of unity, bringing unity uh, to the people of God, because there's something supernatural about music. And when we sing together, and that's the piece, I think, that in all of the cities that we're serving in, uh, we all relate as musicians that something supernatural happens
0: when the people of God sing together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it happens when anyone sings together, right. even at a secular concert, yep. and yeah. people are there and they're singing together. There's like this spirit of we're in this mm-hmm. together, right? Yep. And yeah. And so that really transfers, particularly into church world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, God created music
2: for yeah. unity to yeah. bridge. I mean, to bridge a great divide with people. And if you think about God's creativity in that, when we sing together, like you said, um, most humans can't explain what they're experiencing because they feel connected with everyone around them. And there's a lot of people that'll stand with their arms crossed, they won't sing in the church, and they're missing out because that unity, that that power of of what God designed for his people, um only makes the body of Christ stronger, which freaks out the enemy all the more because he can't stand it when we're connected in this way. So that's why we're really passionate about the leader of the music. And if you you take out that worship leader, you see a lot is gonna crumble in the unity of the body. And now in the six cities that we're serving in, and it's growing every year, it just seems like more and more people are wanting to bring this network into their cities uh, to bring that unity. If we can get the leaders healthy, their homes healthy, their marriages thriving and unified, we're gonna see that spill out uh, in the in local churches all around the US, no matter what denomination. And so um, it's kind of like our little secret. Secret weapon under the radar like the star wars rebellion (laughs) they don't know that we're that we're the lord's working behind the scenes to get
0: the people of god unified through worship yeah Yeah. and then on the other side of that coin the enemy's working underground to take down that worship leader to Mm -hmm. jack up his marriage to not let him be unified with his staff to not get them connecting with other leaders across the city and so you guys are just like coming against all that. Like, we want your marriage to be strong. We want you to Mm -hmm. be connected with your church staff. We want you to be connected with each other yeah yeah this is you this is powerful yeah Yeah. so thank you for what you guys are doing oh yeah
1: thanks yeah and as i was uh, listening to you guys talk about how you guys care for the individual care for the worship leaders so that their ministry and their families and their marriage can be healthy i wanted to ask to listeners who are maybe thinking well i actually have a really great church community i have great leadership but why is it so important to have community beyond just your church community, like in a region, for example, Um, why is it important to have mentorship and friendships across the city, across the county that you live in?
2: Yeah. You know, I would say it's really important, obviously having, and there are a lot of great healthy churches out there with healthy leadership um, models where there's uh, transparency and vulnerability. But, but um, one of the things that I think can be blindsiding at times is what's really happening in the home because um, whether we like it or not, worship leaders and senior pastors, ministry leaders who are in the limelight, are naturally forced to live a double life. And in some sense they can't help it because they need to appear as though they've got it all together in a lot of sense. Um, and she can share a little bit about this too is, is like she, she told you a little bit ago is there wasn't a lot of people asking us how we were doing. And how our marriage was and how are you feeling rested are you overdoing it are you too busy so we didn't have a lot of that but maybe you could speak into how it first started in the home for us Um, And then maybe even bled into our ministry in that sense.
3: Yeah, because I was just thinking for us, um, again, it was back to when we first started in ministry. We were young. We were having our kids, like having a kid every year, it felt like for five years. I'm not kidding. (laughs) But we had a huge community at our church. Um, We were leading a huge small group. Um, There were like 20 couples in it, I think. So it was thriving, you know, it looks great. Um, And we had, you know, elders and whatever, big church. But we felt lonely as far as in ministry. Like as a family, I felt like we were okay and we were doing good. Wouldn't you say that? But just us, like people didn't really know what was going on at the church. So in that season, it would have been healthy if we'd had someone at another church that I'd met at a gathering going, hey, that's exactly what we're going through at our church, you know, and to be able to come come alongside us. Because yeah, it, he was looked at as like this famous guy that came from Nashville. So of course, we have lots of friends and lots of people around us, and it appears as though um, we're fine. Like, we look great, you know, and we're healthy, but we needed that. So that's why the gathering thing is so important because these people realize, oh, I'm not alone. Like they're going through exactly what I'm going through because they understand what it's like to be the worship leaders. And you know, the ones that can look at, can be looked at as the celebrities, because it's typically the worship leader and pastor. It's not as much the youth pastor. And yeah. so it's just a little different.
2: Yeah. And all the leaders in the church have different dynamics that they're dealing with. But yeah. one of the things that we you, you've heard before, this, the third place model where... You know, everybody needs a third place. They've got their home, they've got their work, but they need somewhere somewhere that's not connected to that to have real deep conversations. One of the things we've learned in our ministry now serving over a thousand worship leaders across the United States is that the majority of these leaders will come to our retreats or to our gatherings, and we will ask intentional questions. And a lot of these leaders will say, nobody has ever asked me that question. Yeah. And it's really simple. It's yeah. what, what are the, what are the greatest things happening in your ministry right now? Yes. But then what are some of the greatest struggles and then going deeper? How's that affecting your marriage? You yeah. know, and then, and, and then being able to walk alongside them. But what's crazy is they, it's so cool how quick they'll start telling us the real truth. And part of it isn't obviously there's this confidentiality piece that obviously we're a safe place for them and they Mm -hmm. can trust us for, you know, to pour out some of that stuff. But if you let that stuff get bottled up or if you push it under the rug too long, it's going to just, it's going to come out eventually. And so our big thing, the preserve part in our mission statement, we serve and preserve is we want to keep them in ministry longer because there's this, this true, crazy statistic, 41% of worship leaders are considering leaving the church this year. Mm-hmm. We don't want that to happen because that's like we said, how the enemy wins. And a lot of that is because there's a lot of unseen and secret struggles that these leaders don't talk about. And like you said, when they can get out of their, their, their church communities and actually working with other leaders that can relate, but it's mm-hmm. a safe place for them to air out some of those struggles and, and just get some relationships. It's a game changer for them and especially their spouses because they suffer silently. The The spouses a lot of times sit in the dark. We, we had, I would say that within six to 12 months before a worship pastor burns out and leaves the, leaves the church, his wife has already burned out she stopped attending the church months ago because she just feels resent, resentment and bitterness towards the church because they're not paying attention to some of the struggles that you know, her spouse is going through. So I know that's a little bit more than what you asked. No,
1: that's perfect. Yeah. That kind of leads into one of the questions that I was going to ask you, Fallon, if you don't mind sharing, what was that season like for you? I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but what were the signs and things that made you realize, Hey, something needs to change. Maybe it could be something that could, um, be like a help to others who are listening, who are in that situation, like to really recognize like, Hey, I might need to say something. I might need to, cause cause some change or raise a flag here.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was just working way too many hours and all like in the sake of like, Oh, well it's for the Christmas events for the Easter event. Like a lot of people are coming. So this is like for the kingdom, but it got to a point where I'm like, this just isn't healthy. This isn't right. And then, uh, you know, just for him, he was coming home exhausted you know, and just um, having early morning meetings and then late night things that he just had to do for these events. Um, so I think, again, it would have been somebody else outside of the church because no one in the church was going to tell him to stop because this was an amazing event and he was he's very creative and he did excellent at it and they knew that nobody else could. So there wasn't anyone that would say, Hey, I think you like need to slow down or you need to get some other people or people in place or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, having discipleship outside of the church is what we, what we needed. So if he'd had an older man saying, Hey, you need to, you know, kind of have some balance with your work hours so that you're not burning out. So I think it's also having those rhythms of rest of having those set days off. Um, cause I, I know we had that, but I think sometimes it could easily get kind of fuzzy with those set days or set times. Just having balance. You
2: excuse it because it's kingdom work. Yeah, it's it's ministry. So it's like, oh well, you know, this is what it means to be in ministry. You know, if I don't do this, then who will? And this, you know, I and we, our our senior pastor at this first church I was in had a little bit of a toxic model that I think burned out a lot of people on the staff. Cause it was like, Hey, you work 40 to 50 hours, but you also need to relate to your volunteers who are volunteering 10 to 15 hours a week. So now you're not just working 40 to 50 hours, you're working close to 70 hours. And that's the expectation And plus, this whole other list of expectations for me and for her to be involved in ways that were like, "Wow, we didn't know we signed up for this." And and so, you know, creating really healthy boundaries is important in that. But a lot of these leaders don't know because they go from the marketplace into serving in a church, and they just think, "Oh, I just have to make all these sacrifices." We thought that
3: was normal. That's
2: what you're supposed to do because it's the church. And then at the end of the day, your your marriage is struggling. You're exhausted. Your kids don't. Don't, you know, aren't connected with you because you're glazed over when you come home. And, yeah. and so we had to learn a, a good chunk of that the hard way, but I think God carried us through it so that we can now be preventative for these, this next generation of mm-hmm. leaders and even the ones and restorative for those who are in it, in the thick of it right now, which uh, one last thing I'll tell you about that during the hardest time where the Lord had to Psalm 23 me, where he makes me lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say he suggests that we lie down. in green. It's, It doesn't invite us to lie down. He makes me lie down in, in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and restores my soul. In that process, sanctifying process of the Lord making me lie down, one of my mentors at the time who had been, who had just, we had just invited to Come into our lives and disciple us through this hard time," he said Justin. "Do you know what your problem is?" And I was like, "What?" And He's like, "Well, your problem is is you think you're more important than you really are." And I was like, "Oh, wow! Thank you. That, that feels good." <laughs> and then he goes, "You just need to rem- remember that God's kingdom will continue on just fine without you." And um, sure enough, um, the Lord used that to transform me and say, "Wow." I was taking myself way too seriously in my role, thinking that if, if I don't do it, then you know God's yeah. going to be disappointed in me. And so I know that's a little... And
3: I think to add to that, the other piece to the spouse of the worship leader is to pray for them. Instead of being mad at them, which is just going to cause problems, pray for them. And you know, just they're in a hard spot, and they need you to come alongside them and love them and care for them because everybody else is telling them to go, go, do, do. But to be a safe place that they can come home to, to go, hey, I'm praying for you through this season. You know, still be on the same page with each mm. other.
0: I love how you guys are, are sharing about, and, and it's so evident that you're you're fighting for unity for others because of some of what you experienced where yeah. you started to see it dissipate. Right, mm-hmm. you started to see it dissipate in your marriage. You started to see it dissipating with the church. You started to see it, and so th- then you rose up and you said, "No, we're going to fight for this." Yeah, Amen. like right. And and a couple things I heard as you you both were sharing there is, number one, it, it takes some vulnerability,
3: mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, if talking to that third person, yeah, or that third what do you call it? The third space, third place, yeah, the yeah. third place where you can be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You can share what's really going on. It helped bring you to a place where you could, you could keep fighting. Right. And then that requires humility, Mm -hmm. right? You have to be humble enough to share what's going on and to share what's happening in it. And, you know, we've interviewed in this podcast, NFL players, business leaders, all kinds of pastors, all kinds of people. Um, and one of the themes that we always find for unity is humility, hmm. Yeah. Like you don't have it unless you're humble enough to say there's something wrong here, Justin. Mm-hmm.
3: We can't keep <laughs> doing it like this. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And then uh, humility to hear that and mm-hmm. respond to it. Um, so so that plays such an important role in all this and just being honest, like with yeah. what's really going on. I was wanting to ask, you know, you've worked to create unity in your marriage and in your family you're now leading a team. You mentioned your team with Likewise. Um, are there some things from that that you would share that are important about fighting for unity? So you've got a team all over the country. They're not living in your house with you. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. How, how are you fighting for unity with that team?
2: Yeah, I think honoring them um, is really important for our team health, um, and making sure that there's actually 17 on our staff now, not including the spouses, but making sure that, um, my team knows that their spouses are very valuable to us. That's, I think the biggest thing is they, everyone on our staff, um, they all know how much we actually like them, but we like their spouses more. I, <laughs> I, we actually we it's we we say that as a joke, but there is something about uh, championing those who are behind the scenes, and it's something that man, I wish people would have really come alongside Fallon when I was full time at the on staff at the church and empowered and honored her more because she was, I believe, worthy of it for all that she was doing behind the scenes for me as I came home as a leader. And so we really value that. But I also we also have really intentional time, family time together as a team. I call it family time because we all we all feel like a family. We mm-hmm. get together twice a year as a as a whole group just to encourage one another, not really to work as much, but just to have some soul care. And I'll bring in, you know, a pastor to come and speak into all of our lives. Um, and it's just a really fruitful time for our, our ministry. But then like Fallon said, with any good unity, you have to have great communication and sacrifice. And so if it means that, you know, we have we have to make sacrifices to time and, uh, of, of time and, and even resources at times to make sure that there's healthy and reconciled relationships because we're all different. Like everyone on our team, we are all dramatically different from one another with different strengths, different gifts, which makes up a really beautiful, like football team. You know, everyone has their position, but you know, having a coach or a quarterback, which I feel like I'd be more of like a quarterback because they have no idea where I'm going to throw the ball, but, <laughs> but being able to uh, connect with them and, and be a trustworthy leader Um where they know that I care more about who they are and their physical rest and their their the health of their home life is way more of a priority. Because I know that as a result of a healthy home, I think the productivity of their of them in our ministry is gonna be way more through the roof. So our team focus is really important.
0: It is not just about the task, it's about the people. Amen. honoring even those that are behind them yeah it's it's really caring for them that that's what helps you create that unity there well Fallon maybe you could tell us a little bit about you know in your lives together obviously you've been fighting for unity in your marriage because that's what yeah. marriage is about right yeah but like what are the different aspects of life where over these 20 years you guys have fought for unity
3: yeah um I mean obviously you know Raising kids. We had our first child when I was 21, so we were both pretty young when we started. Um, and, you know, having ki- all our kids were pretty close together, and it can get hard just with feeling like you're just so busy and. You don't really know each other. So I think one of the big things for us has just been prioritizing a date night. We've always done that. Um, even if, you know, it's putting the kids, we, we do that once a week, by the way, putting the kids to bed and just having time together just to talk about your day and your week um, and just feel like you're connected instead of feeling like, you know, you're just roommates, like frustrated with each other. So that's definitely one of the things I think has helped us in our marriage yeah. and that? I
2: would also mention too even before that we come we both come from in some sense broken families. Our, obviously our both of our parents are still married to each other but her parents went through a major marriage um, just trial as yeah. well as my parents did. and being able to as kids watch my parents uh, work through that, and stay mm-hmm. faithful to one another, I think really helped prime the pump for us to see that there is actually a way to reconcile brokenness in a relationship, which really fired us up too, which made us feel like we need to fight harder and work harder for unity in our own marriage, mm-hmm. and then pass that same legacy on to our kids. And so there's so many life lessons on the journey and the road that the Lord has had us on, even when it comes to our ministry and career. Uh, because when right when we first got married, I was a recruiter. Recording artist in Nashville, Tennessee, in a Christian pop rock boy band, believe it or not. Um, Yeah, and being a a starving artist, you know, we were making tens of dollars on the road as an artist. Yeah, it was great. And having to, you know, a lot of the, the dynamics that cause marriage strain and disunity is finances and us yeah. not having any money um, was really hard. But being together through that and being young to grow and process through that, the Lord, you know, really kept us focused on him during that time with as our great provider. And so there was that journey and then the journey into the local church um, on staff as a pastor, you know, there's there's all new new set of dynamics there that can bring division in a marriage. And we saw the Lord keep us focused even in that. And so, and now leading a a nonprofit ministry that is actually for unity in the church, a restorative ministry has really taught us a lot about having to practice what we preach to all of these leaders and the next generation of church leaders.
1: So you guys have shared a little bit about your marriage, but I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper. You, you obviously have this nonprofit that you guys lead together and you have four kids, like you mentioned earlier. Um, I'd like to just ask you guys some questions really quick on um, what that looks like for you guys while raising kids. And then also instilling that culture of health and preservation um, and healthy community in your kids while you're in your marriage as well. What does that look like for your family?
2: I'll start and then I'll toss it to you. Yeah. One thing we I would say just to start this little section off here is just if I think about how hard I've worked in my ministry, my calling, my, you know, crafting the musical gifts and the leadership gifts, I... It doesn't even compare to the amount of hard work I have had to put in, not just to my marriage, but to raising kids. And I will fight for that until the day I die, my relationship with my family, my home, um, and the unity of our home is the most prominent and beautiful picture of the gospel uh, the world will see as if as if my first off, my marriage resembles the gospel and then my relationship with my kids. And so we work really, really hard with that. Um, and um, she can give you a couple of ways that um, that have really kept us connected to one another as a family. But
3: yeah, I think one of the ways um, to stay close as a family that has helped us is just talking about everything. Um, Obviously, our kids fight. So, you know, just talking about that, like, what happened? Let's talk about it and let's deal with it, but then forgiving each other. Cause I think it's easy to just be like, whatever, you don't wanna talk about it, you know, and just go move on with your day. But I think really getting down to what's going on with their hearts and um, dealing with that. And um, also, I think just family time, you know, we prioritize that. Our kids know that we have certain days that we kind of put in the calendar and it's like, these are family days. Like we're going to just have it together because as they're, you know, teenagers now, three driving, two driving, whatever. um, It's easy for them to be busy now. So to go, hey, we want to have this time as a family.
1: That's awesome. What I'm hearing is a lot of intentionality both yeah. with your marriage and your family. Um, so I grew up in a family of ministry people, and I was around ministry all the time. And you guys shared just before this podcast that you're going on a trip and your kids wanted to come with you. They were excited to come with you. Yeah. What are the things that you guys kind of craft in your family to help help Um, maintain enthusiasm about your ministry while not kind of making them feel like they're forced to be a part of it. I know that you guys are intentional about that as well. That's a big danger for a lot of ministry families. Like they're seeing their parents do these amazing things on stage and maybe there's an expectation to perform. But what are the things that you guys Mm -hmm. have communicated to your kids to let them know that, hey, like, we're doing this, but we want to see you as a son, not as like a protege or as like a predecessor or successor, you know, like what, what are those elements in your family that have caused so much of that health as they see you guys in ministry?
2: Yeah. I would say the option for them to join us has been really special for them. Um, on their, you know, on their own accord, if you will, to be able to be a part of our ministry with us, whether we're leading worship, like we're going away this weekend with two of our boys, and they're going to lead worship with us, and it's going to be mostly people in their sixties that we're leading, and they want to be a part of it because the the bar and measure of success is not very high. Um, obviously, we want to give our best to the Lord, but 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 they know that this is. Um, you know we're we're more about you know, if people see us unified as a family together in this type of leadership, even if it means the quality has to come down a little bit, you know, I've got a kid playing the cajon drum and, a, and my, <laughs> my son playing the guitar and singing, but really, um, at the end of the day, I, I believe most people are going to see that as a, a really beautiful and rare picture of the family and making it optional has been good because like my daughter, she's musically gifted, but we've, we haven't really forced her to do musical stuff unless it's like singing happy birthday to someone on our phones but um <laughs> i usually make her do that sing it yeah. um but at the end of the day having it to where it's not an obligation or yeah. hey do this to make it not a guilt good. trip yeah, yeah. Um, and so having that option there for them to join us in ministry, but also just to, to be around. The other big thing is we love to travel together. And so a lot of families prioritize, keep your kids busy and they'll stay out of trouble. I beg to differ. I mean, I think, um, I, I think what happens is when, when families... Uh, make themselves so busy with all the sports and all that stuff. It keeps them from having intentional time together. It's almost like it's babysitting in some sense. We're going to send our kids off here, here, here. Um, and that busy lifestyle is something they take with them into their future, which isn't healthy at the end of the day. But we, we make it a point to, to make travel and vacation and uh, intentional time together as a family, a priority for us because like our oldest is going to move out in four weeks. He's moving to San Diego to go on staff at a church. And it's like that snuck up on us, but we went through all of our trips we've taken over the past 18 years with him. And it's like, We've, you could fill yeah. books with all of the great experiences we've had as a family. And yeah, the sacrifice was, yeah, he wasn't in a bunch of sports and wasn't constantly busy, but we had a lot more time together. I mean, that's just a couple of the practical things. Anything you would add to that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, the same. It's easy to get into that culture and have the guilt as the mom that your kid has to be in multiple, um, you know, sport, each kid needs to be in a sport and a music. And we're not like that at all. Because that just, of course, you're going to be so busy and your weekends busy, like we want to be able to say, hey, let's all go to the beach this weekend, because we don't have anything. We all go play pickleball as a family, just because we have the free time in the afternoon. So there's not that expectation for, from us on the kids like, hey, you have to have all these we'll take turns with the kids like maybe, okay, you get to pick a sport. And then, you know, music is just part of what the kids do at home. But I think, you know, as the parents, you're the ones that have to set that up because otherwise, yeah, you're gonna be too busy for each other. Yeah.
0: Well, you guys have been fantastic. Like, and thank you for sharing about your marriage, your family, and likewise. And um, we wanna just make sure that before we go off the air here, that you're able to share. If there's anything you would want our audience to hear about this fight for
3: unity, um, before they go off? Like what, what would that be? Mm. Mine would probably just be, don't compare. I think Instagram feeds comparison and makes you feel like you can't get ever achieve what you want. So I think (coughs) just don't compare, be thankful for what you have and, you know, tell your spouse something you love about him every day, something different you love about him every day. And for me, I would say the
2: forgiven must forgive. And we see this great reconciliation process happen to man, um, with man and God, creator and man, where our sin separated us from God. And God had had to send his one and only son to bring unity to something that seemed impossible and broken and unreconcilable. He reconciled that. Um, through sacrifice. And now that we can look at that grace and we can look at how we have been forgiven much means that we must respond in that way to others. If we're going to claim to bear the name of Christ and to believe and say we believe in Jesus and the gospel, we have to We have to respond to others the same way he responded to us, unforgivable people, by forgiving. And when we forgive one another and reconcile with one another and not let the sun go down on a quarrel, we can find unity, supernatural unity that the world can't understand. They don't understand it. Mm -hmm. How can you be at peace with this dad who abused you and did all? Because I have found this supernatural peace in a loving God who forgave me first. And so we've seen that with our team. We've seen that with our own kids where we've had to seek our own kids forgiveness all yeah. the time. We're going <laughs> to sin against our kids. Our kids are going to sin against us. We talk. we tell young marrieds before they get married, Hey, are you excited? You're going to go, you're going to move in with a sinner. And this sinner is going to sin against you. This per- they're going to offend you. But when you can learn What it means to truly forgive, you will experience unity in a way that you never have. And that's the biggest thing with our ministry. We have a lot of worship leaders dealing with church hurt, where they have bitterness and anger towards their former boss or Mm -hmm. their current boss or people that have said hurtful things in the church. But when we can step back... And do the unthinkable by forgiving the unforgivable. It creates, I mean, the enemy hates the gospel. He hates that truth that just forgiving and forgiving from our hearts. And so that's one of the big things we we just would encourage any listener, if if there's any kind of um, division or separation between you or any other individual, or maybe it's from church to church or business to business, that comparison. I think reconciling through forgiving one another is going to be a game changer for you. And we, we've seen it in our home. I've seen it in my own relationship with my father. Um, and it's been incredible to see the healing that happens when we can forgive.
1: You guys are amazing. Just want to say that. It's been such a pleasure uh, talking to you guys for a little bit. Um, and before we leave, I just want to um, do a little shout out to Likewise Worship. So, if you guys are interested at all in connecting with Likewise, Justin, would you share the locations that you guys have right now?
2: Yeah, we are serving in Phoenix, Orange County, San Diego. Minneapolis, Twin Cities area of, of, um, yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And then we're launching in Fort Wayne, Indiana in January. And so we have some other cities that are in the works as well in the next 24 months. But yeah, but we also have access on our website, likewiseworship.com, and we'll be doing virtual gatherings for people that are outside of those cities starting in 2024 as well, where they can still be a part of a virtual community where we'll get together once a month on a Mm -hmm. Zoom call uh, to have some of that community conversation.
1: That's amazing. And you can find them on likewiseworship.com. And then if you guys are local in the area as well, there's the OC gathering that Ian and I are going to try to go to Um, this upcoming month so for all of our listeners thank you guys so much if you'd like to be a part of our we're better together family you can hop on the website and learn how to give and be a part of this podcast story that we're on and again thank you fallon and justin so much for being a part of this
2: all right thank you guys